Jen, do you, how many times have I cried um, <laughs> in these sessions? <laughs> well, here at Hume or yeah, in general? Just here at Hume. Let's just, do, <laughs> let's just start here. Because I'll be about to make it four for four. I don't, I don't know what it was. I, Jason, thanks so much for, for playing that video. Um, <laughs> did, anybody, what... did anybody else start feeling it right yeah. then? Like all of a sudden, allergies were getting bad. <laughs> But 10 seconds in, I'm reaching for my wallet. And I'm like, I don't even know what this is about, but I know that I'm going to be asked to give, and I might as well just fill. I hope you guys filled it up. Because. Um, come on, come on. You can do it. I can do it. I just think, I just think, man, my life was changed. Yeah. At a camp. Both of our lives. Yeah. And our children's lives. Our children's lives. And, uh, and just, I just had this image in my head about, you know, Early 1900s, we've walked around this lake twice now, yeah. uh, and this morning we actually got caught. We, we made it to the dam, and then we looked up at the clouds, and we're like, we're not making it back without getting <laughs> soaked. And uh, we just went from tree to tree, yeah, just getting some, some relief from the rain. But um, I was just thinking, you know, back in the early 1900s, a bunch of men decided to start a business. And uh, they thought they were building a company, and they didn't realize they were God's advance team to build a place for where God's going to reside, and he's going to change the trajectory of people's lives. And he just needed some people to build something, to flood a meadow, and uh, so that God's grace could be flooded here. And it just hit me that, uh, man, I'm just grateful. Uh, All the camps that have been part of our lives along the way, our kids' lives, our lives, your life. And as I was watching those kids on that video, I just, I'm not losing it. And then Encounter had to throw those songs out there, and that made it worse. And so I don't know if I'm going to recover at all in this message. Jen will probably have to teach Come the rest on, of the time. But I, you can do it. You I think it. the thing that hit me is that, um, you know, God allowed a lot of camps throughout the, the children of Israel. He, he told mm-hmm. them to go camp and, and four, four times a year to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to camp to be together, to encounter the living God in ways that you can't do at your own home. They, mm. There's something about pulling the emergency brake on our life that allows us and, and getting away to get it together to actually hear his voice. But guys, it just, it just also made me think, this isn't where, um, this is also, we don't want this to be a moment, kind of like with Peter and John and um, mm. one of the other disciples, James, <laughs> the, one, the, the other one, the, the three, <laughs> they went up to, the, they went up to this, this mountain and, uh, and Jesus was transfigured. And the response of Peter, James, and John was, let's stay here. Let's just stay here. Let's pitch some tents. This is too good. We don't want to leave. And I think that's where all of us are right now. There's a sense of, I mean, is anybody here this week? Can we just stay? There's no kids coming. So, Jordan, can we just, can, can we just stay? They're coming. They're coming. Oh, okay. And I just think, no, Jesus is like, no, we, we can't stay. we got to go back. And I don't want this camp to be a cul-de-sac for you. That you just, everything that you got here just stays here. That the whole purpose of Hume Lake and Pine Cove, Camp Shenandoah Springs in my life, is that we go. We go. We take what we get and we spread it out. And so I think about the conversations you guys started, you know, throughout this weekend, the times that you were talking with each other. It's like if it only stays here, it was a waste. It's a waste. And so it's like, how do, we, how do we start and we start continuing to invest in the most important earthly relationship that you have, your marriage, 
And Jen and I have always said that, you know, we can tell what you value by what you pay for, what you sign up for, what you cheer for. And if on your calendar is not spaces and margin for you as a couple, it won't happen. You will fill it up with everything else that ultimately doesn't matter nearly as much. So there's four meetings that we would just encourage you to, as you leave here, that you should have on a regular basis. We call it calendaring your companionship. And Jen, maybe you could just, uh, I think we got a slide right there. Mm -hmm. just, just, just hit some of those yeah, for us. Yeah, so just maybe a, a check-in weekly where you're having a coffee or you're having a date night or you're just kind of checking in, in with each other of saying, how are you doing this week? How are you feeling? What's going on in your life? And then maybe once a month you kind of, do an extended date, or you kind of uh, have a time where you're together for a longer period. Uh, get away yearly. You guys are, some of you are doing that, and that's, uh, that's awesome. And then to gather regularly, which means hopefully you are in a, a body, a church, where you are regularly getting fed and also giving out. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's yeah. kind of our calorie, that's a good rhythm for our lives that we have found to be helpful. Yeah, we found to be super helpful. It's not perfect, helpful. and it's not, you know, it might look different for you, but we have found that this is a generally a great rhythm for your life and a practice that that is something to, yeah. to and to take, take some of these questions back and the ones you didn't answer, the ones you got stuck on and go, let's, let's revisit these. Let's take mm -hmm. some time. And just to even encourage you, some other things that you could do. I mean, this is a great place. I would book this every, I don't know why you aren't <laughs> signing up today for next year. Like if you haven't, you need to. Mm -hmm. But there's other things that you can do. We do a thing called Weekend to Remember. Uh, I think we've got a slide where if you want to snap a picture, a QR code, or you can just go to weekendtoremember.com. But I think we got, do we have that slide? Is it, there you go. Yeah. Uh, just about great marriages, uh, they don't just happen. And it's a great opportunity where we, we do a little bit more content, a little bit more deeper dive. Jen and I do about four of these a year, but there's 80 of them all across the country. You can go to a great place. You can go to one near you. Uh, but just a good opportunity, three-day experience where you really dig into God's word and understand what was God's dream for marriage? What, was his, what, was, what, what, what are the fall that we experience? What are the things that come against our marriage that we, can, that we need to be prepared for? What's the hope for every marriage that God has? And what's the mission that God has for every marriage. And so we would encourage you to do that. A lot of you guys have been talking to us. we got some cruisers that are here that go on the Love Like You Mean It cruise. Uh, that's a great one. Yeah, give, give, we, see, we see those hands. We hear that. We want you to come out there. It's a great week. It's an incredible experience. We own the whole boat, so you don't get all the riffraff and all that kind of stuff. And you're feeling guilty. Should I have a glass of wine? Should I not? And that's okay. Just be in free, freedom. Anyway. Um, we want you, you could do that. The other thing that I, I'd encourage you uh, to gather regularly, uh, Jen mentioned that uh, the new, we've just been working for the past two years on a thing called Art of Marriage, which is a great six-week uh, study that you could do as an event or as a small group, and I wanted to show you a little taste of it right now. So did you know I was going to do that? No. Nope. Yeah, we got a little teaser for it. Watch awesome. this.
Yeah, so that's a great plug and play, great thing to do. Get a couple other couples around you say, hey, we're going to go through this. Now, it's coming out. It's not actually available yet, but you can sign up for an insider email uh, list. But if you want to go to Family Life, it's coming out in January. And so that would be encouraging. And can you just give a little plug for Married with Benefits? Sure. So uh, I don't know if you know a woman by the name of Shanti Feldhahn. She wrote a book uh, called For Women Only and uh, has written many more books. She is a research scientist. She has a degree from Harvard University. Mm-hmm. And that was she... my backup school. <laughs> <laughs> I had Liberty and then Harvard in case I didn't make it Went to Liberty. Liberty. Yeah. So she has written a number of popular books that really help um, Christians, men and women, uh, just see kind of the science behind how we're made and how we work together. And Brian, my Brian Goins. Mm-hmm. That's me. With a degree from Liberty University. Right. <laughs> really and mismatched. A, and, a, and a degree from Dallas Seminary. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got together and they uh, made a couple seasons of a podcast that um, speaks to women and speaks to men and speaks to sex. And what, this book right here, Secrets of Sex and Marriage, was not written by Shanti and Brian, but was written by um, Shanti Feldhahn and Dr. Michael Sitzma, Seitzma. Seitzma. And mm-hmm. uh, so they... They have done a couple seasons together, and yeah. I'm on the podcast you a couple are. times. Yep. Uh, but you can find that at Family Life. Incident- I think we got, we got a slide for okay. it right there. Yeah, yep. Married with Benefits. Now, incidentally, there is another podcast called Married with Benefits, and it's actually for swingers. So don't, if it doesn't say Family Life, don't listen to yeah. that one. I'm not joking. We got ours trademarked, too, but like our, <laughs> someone, our legal department someone, doesn't want to chase after these guys. Someone knocked it off. So we do have a trademark on married with benefits, the good kind of married with benefits. But So make sure it says family life. Make sure it says Brian Goins or Shanti Feldhahn. That's and right. Listen to that one, not the other yeah, one. That's right. Yeah. So. so we have three great seasons on that. But with that, that's enough plugs. We want to jump into our last session. You guys ready? Yeah? Let's go. It sounds like it. You guys ready? There we go. (laughs) Okay, so we want to talk about, because we know that you're going to be going home and having a lot of these conversations, and so I think it's important for us just to give a little primer on, we've refreshed a lot, we've refreshed our why, we've refreshed our job descriptions as husband and wife. What does it look like if we really just took an audit of how do we communicate with each other? Because as we leave here, one of the things that can really sabotage a relationship is if I don't have some of even the basics of communication. And so we're just going to go through, the Bible talks a lot about communication, it really is the, the it says that the that words have the power of life or death and so with that i want you to watch this video just to remind ourselves of the power of words watch this
words are powerful. Um, Dr. John Gottman, um, who is featured in Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, I don't know if you read that book, Blink, it's a fantastic, fascinating book, uh, but he talks about how Dr. John uh, Gottman, who is this renowned marriage therapist, uh, he has this superpower where he can watch a couple, they, they would videotape couples that were in the middle of a conflict, and within five minutes, he could predict with a 94% accuracy rate about whether or not that couple would get a divorce within 10 years. 94% accuracy rate, just five minutes of watching a couple have a conflict. Turns out he was only looking for one thing. That one thing that he was looking for is contempt. When he saw signs of contempt, he knew that couple was on the brink of trouble. Well, what is contempt? Contempt judgments happen. It, it happens when conflicts we let go unresolved. We let bitterness build up and then we just blow up. As Gottman was watching game film of these couples, he would see these symptoms show up in how they talked to each other, the tone that they were using, eye rolls, sneers, sarcastic jabs, insults, this stubborn attitude from one spouse that says, the real problem in my marriage is you, not me. Contempt says, I'm better than you. You're the issue. And most of the time, we don't even realize how we're coming across. And so, you know, so, so we're really, what we decided to do to help you, once you came in here, I don't know if you knew this or not, but we actually put cameras in your room. <laughs> because we wanted to watch you guys and how you were having conflict. And so we're going to watch some of those. <laughs> Jason, Jason wouldn't let us. The lawyer said, <laughs> said no, we couldn't do it. That would be super practical. Because the truth of the matter is, we don't see how that we're coming across. And that's why Paul says, if you want your marriage to be refreshed, put to death. That's such a strong word. Mm. Put to death anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And so we want to talk about how we talk to each other. But realize that these are te techniques that we're going to talk to you about, but it all starts with this attitude. Our words are just the reflection. They're symptoms of what's really going inside of our heart. So if our heart has contempt, it doesn't matter what we're about to share with you. If, you. if we don't start with humbling our hearts and saying, God, change me so that I love my spouse like you love me, then all the stuff that we're about to talk about doesn't work. Right. And so what we want to start off with is uh, of some verses from Philippians 2, and we have them up on the screen. Philippians 2, 3 through 5 says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So as we talk about communication, as we talk about how we're going to talk to each other, and the, the tips that we're going to give you and some of the insights, we have to start with an with a attitude of humility. Of a hum an attitude of, I want to I put you first. I want to listen. I want to understand you better. And I am going to have the same attitude of, of Jesus. We want to look to the interest of others. As we, as we talked about yesterday, when Jesus came to this world, he came not to be served, but to serve. He came to give his ultimate sacrifice for us. And so we have that mind of Christ of like how, and even in communication, can I serve you? Yeah. 
And so we, we thought about, you know, when you go to a doctor, you go hopefully to your yearly exams, and wh- what that doctor does is he looks at some of those vital signs, some of those things that, that uh, okay, you're, you may, maybe you're gaining a few too many pounds, <laughs> your, your, your blood pressure is a little high, you need to go see a dermatologist for your skin, and he's doing these little checkpoints. And so we, what we want to do today is take some checkpoints of your communication, and you can take, take your temperature, take your pulse, get on the scale. <laughs> What's it looking like? Um, because here's the thing. If you can catch some of the problems when you're only five pounds overweight, it's going to be a lot easier from when you're 20 pounds overweight. Or when your blood pressure is just a little bit elevated from when your uh, blood pressure is through the roof. And so if we can start talking about these things now and catch some of them yeah. before they've gone too far, then, then we might be a little bit more successful. But there's always hope for every marriage. Some of these things that you can start applying today could make a huge difference in your marriage. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and look at God's word and see, we're going to look at James 1.19. I think it's also, see if I can go. Yep, it's there. Okay, there we go. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Yeah, and what I tend to do is I tend to reverse the quick and the slow. <laughs> Does anybody else do that? I tend to be slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. Anybody else have that diagnosis? <laughs> that's that's pretty fair assessment. And so really what we want to do is we want to talk about four vital signs of a good listener. Four vital signs of a good listener. And we're going to have these on the screen and so you can be able to, you be able to, because really what, you, what we want you to do at the end of this is that you're going to have a moment on the way home where you're going to go, how am I doing? And you're going to ask your spouse, of these four, which one do I do really well? Point out where you're doing well. Point out, give each other a high five. I, do, I actually do that one really well. What's one that I can improve upon? So we're going to talk about listening. We're going to talk about expressing. So here are the four vital signs of a good listener. First of all, do I listen with my face? Do I listen with my face where my goal is to eliminate distractions? There was a, a guy, a pastor, of my, a friend of mine that used to say that his uh, daughter, well, after he come home from, from work and he's sitting down, he's just exhausted, he just wants to turn on ESPN, just wants to kind of detox from the day, his daughter would jump into his lap right away and just want to talk to daddy, talk to daddy about her day and, get to talk to, and, and he would do exactly what I would do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Have you done that, had that conversation? So finally, she just grabbed her daddy's cheeks and said, Listen to me with your face. <laughs> and I give you permission to do that to your spouse. Because has there been any time in human history where we have more distractions? Someone once called the definition of love focus. That I feel most loved when somebody actually focuses on me. And they even say that a child's development uh, is often stymied because mom or dad is not focusing on a child. And too often now, screens have become the thing when, when a mom is feeding a baby. It's easy to look at a screen. When a dad is holding a child, it's easy to look at a screen. And, 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 child, and um, child doctors, I mean, what are they called? Pediatricians. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just losing it this weekend. <laughs> Pediatricians will say that, that we're seeing a generation of, of kids that aren't attaching to their parents simply because the face isn't attaching to the face. And there's something about us of just putting the phone down, of making an attempt to not look at the TV. And just in what Proverbs 7.24, the Bible talks about this. I think we have this verse. 
up there and be attentive to the words of my mouth. There is so much in the Bible just about focusing on each other. And really, that shows honor to the person. When I'm, when I'm actually listening to you, not like I would listen to the flight attendant like I'm about to do tonight at 5 o'clock uh, <laughs> when we fly out of here, and I'm just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. She's telling me the most important things that's going to, that's going to, that's something about the safety of my life. And I'm like putting my earbuds in. And I do that to Jen all the time. She has something that she wants to tell me. What a way to look out for the interests of others is that I put things down and focus. The second one is, do I listen without my ego? My goal then is to understand in listening. My goal is to understand more than to feel understood. How easy is it for us when our spouse is talking to us, especially maybe if they're bringing up something that's frustrating, that we just, as soon as they take a breath, we want to be like, oh yeah, but what about this? Or, no, 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 what about this? Or, no, that's not fair what you're saying. Or, here's my opinion about it. Instead of just listening. Often, we, I find myself listening, and in my head, I'm building my deposition, or I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next. Instead of really just focusing on Brian and saying, what's coming out of his mouth right now? I want to be a good listener. And it really shows that I'm not really listening to understand. How can we listen to seek to understand better yeah, and that points. really gets to those, these next two points. Uh, the third one is, do I listen with my heart? If I'm really listening to understand them, am I li- rather than for me to be understood of what I'm thinking, if I'm really trying to understand what's, what they're thinking about, because the, the mouth is just reflecting what's in the heart. So do I listen with my heart? Do I listen in such a way where my goal is to feel what they're feeling? This is a whole idea of empathy, that I want to step into their shoes and feel what they're feeling. Um, I, I really want to find out what's happening and whether it's positive feelings or whether it's negative. If it's things that they're really excited about, I want to be excited for them. What does the Bible say? Weep with those who are weeping. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. How, how much more should we do that than with our spouse? I want to rejoice with the things that Jen's rejoicing, and I want to weep with those things that she's weeping. And so a good way to unpack that is, so what I hear you, th- just asking questions like, so what I hear you saying is that you're sad about something or that you're excited about something. Uh, you feel fearful. You're, I can tell that you're really excited about this, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I, it occurred to me, as I was in that band ride for three hours and 23 minutes, I didn't care at all about what Jen felt. I never asked her once, how did this weekend make you feel? I can tell right now that we've got some funky tension between us. I know what I'm feeling. What do you feel? I never sought that out. So do I listen with my heart? Yes, and then our final point is do you listen with your head? Not only with your heart, but also with your head. And that is a great goal is to ask some clarifying questions. Ask good questions. My goal is to clarify with great questions. Before I just react to what they're saying, respond with a question, kind of like what Brian just said. So what you're telling me is... And then repeat what you think that they said. Now, sometimes they'll agree with you, but sometimes they be they. I, we've had situations mm-hmm. where Brian's like, "No, that's not that's not what I that's not what I meant. That's not what I thought I was portraying to you." Another good question is if if you are in a conversation and there's you know a lot of words being said or a lot of things going on. Um, maybe it's a problem that's come up. Another good question would be like, "Okay, right now, do you want my advice or do you just want me to listen?" Okay. A lot of times we just want a listening ear. We don't want you to, we don't want the other person to come in and like give us all this advice or try to solve the problem. Now, sometimes you might, and that's okay too, but sometimes we don't really know what the other person is feeling or needing. So it's okay to ask, 
Do you want me to just listen right now? Mm -hmm. Or do you want, I have some things, some advice, and the, the other person give the freedom to say, no, I don't really want your advice right now. Just, I just need someone to listen to me. And so, so feel free to ask that or, or to go with those feelings of like, I, I think I just need to listen right now. Um, another good thing is if you have, I'm a big verbal processor. I say a lot of words. I, you know, I'm just, I, I, can, I can say a lot of things. And sometimes Brian will say, of all the things that you just said, what would be the one thing that you want me to hear and understand the most? <laughs> and that's a good one. That is a good one to ask. Okay, of all the things that you just said, I could have gone on rabbit trails and that's a good thing for me to be able to say, okay, he's really listening to me, and what I really need you to hear right now is this. I know I said a lot of other stuff. <laughs> I just really need you to hear this. So those are some great questions to ask. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The purposes of a per person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Be and pray about being that person of insight. I want to draw some things out of you, and how you can do that is to be a good listener to ask great questions. Yeah, I remember my dad telling me right before we got married on our wedding day, he's like, you know, a great question to be able to have in the back in your back pocket is when Jen is unpacking your day, do you want my ear or my head? Because sometimes she just wants to, you to get in the mud puddle of her feelings. <laughs> I don't like getting in the mud puddle a lot of times. It's messy. I'm looking for a way out. And she's like, no, let's just stay here and talk about how much I don't like this person right now. And talk about my frustrations and you know and just to be there in that mud puddle together is is showing putting your interests yeah. honor showing honor, honoring your spouse even even more so than you want to be honored you know when you think about communication uh, and I just want to give a shout out to Jason who found a football for me so thank you Jason so here you go we'll just at least see if it works there there we go nice there you can throw a football and catch it good that's good so communication is a lot like throwing a football. Throwing a football is two things. You're throwing, you're receiving, right? You're throwing and you're receiving. And so the same thing is true with communication. It is throwing the ball, expressing yourself, and it is receiving the ball. I'm going to listen. And I love NFL football. It's, it's being played. It's back on. This is great. And when you think about it, football, whether it's, um, whether it's college, whether it's pro, like I love the sports center best catches. You guys ever tune into those and you see best catches? I think we got a couple examples of some of the best catches that, uh, that you've seen. But what's interesting about some of these catches, yeah, that's one-handed against my beloved Cowboys of all things, the Odell Beckham catch behind. I mean, that was an amazing catch. Look at this next one. The helmet, the, the helmet catch, you know, the Eli Manning that ended up beating the Patriots that year. I mean, this is one of my favorite ones, though. In fact, a Patriot fan sent this to me and said, forget the helmet catch. This was the best catch ever in the Super Bowl. Sorry, Atlanta Falcon fans. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. But you know what? Yeah, let's watch it again. <laughs> Let's watch it again. We need to see it again because it's just that amazing. Like, oh, it's almost Wait. on the ground. It didn't. He caught oh, it. Oh, he got it. <laughs> Here's the deal. All the great catches are terrible throws. They're horrible throws. That's why they're great catches because people are going, there's no way that guy should have caught that pass. That throw to Edelman that he's just, I mean, it's way behind him. There's three guys that are around him. And what does he do? He completely focuses on this ball. He contorts his body in unbelievable ways. And he does whatever he can to keep it off the ground because he knows his team needs him to catch this ball regardless of how bad the throw is. Our spouse is going to throw up a lot of ducks to us in marriage. <laughs> and one of the best things that we can do to honor them and outdo one another showing an honor is saying, 
how do I catch this ball that they're throwing? It's a terrible throw. It was laced with cuss words. It had all kinds of contempt behind it. It had bitterness. But here's what I tend to do. You threw that? I'm not catching that. I can't even believe you thought about throwing me a ball like that. This is a conversation? Give me my ball back. (laughs) As opposed to saying something like, okay, I hear right now that you're mad. I hear right now that you're frustrated. In fact, you, you were saying that you know, we haven't been out in a long time. It, it sounds like you're feeling that, that we're not close anymore. So what have been some things that I've done to show that, that, that we haven't been close? Or what are some things that are, that are causing you frustration? Asking good questions. I, I feel like that you are, 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 are super mad right now. There's obviously something that I've done. I'm not even sure what it is. But I want to receive what it is that you're giving to me. And I wonder how much of our marriages would change if instead of us always expecting our spouse to throw a perfect spiral and hit us in the numbers, if we said, you know what, the team is more important than my ego, my feelings, my, hurt, my hurtness that I'm feeling right now. Instead, what I'm going to do is instead of returning insult for insult, I'm going to bless my spouse by actually trying to listen and catch the ball that they're throwing, even though it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a good throw. It's not a good throw. That's one of the best things that we can do when it comes yeah. to listening. And we don't want to excuse that. We're going to talk about communication and speaking in a, little, in a, in a minute. And so we don't want to just say, you know, that it's, it, it's an excusable to, to, swear, to use swear words and to yell and to feel frustrated. We're going to talk about that next. But even if that does happen, if you're a good listener, you're going to use those clues of saying, how can I take that, what happened right there, and still be a good listener? And still try to figure out what that frustration was and move into that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about actually trying to hit our spouse in the numbers. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's uh, try to be, we, wa- we don't want to always throw those bad passes. We want, we want to become good mm-hmm. at doing this. Come on, you got it. Yeah. Bam, right there. I mean, this is where this we want to be. This is fun. This is good. So we do want to, we want to make some good throws. So but let's before talk. we get to that, yeah, we did say we're going to do a couple check-in real quick. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yep, let's no, that's let's my do fault. a couple I check-in. I kept moving. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Here it is. You guys take a picture of this with your phone, uh, if you want to, or do they have this written down anywhere? I doubt it. Okay. <laughs> Unless they've been writing all along. So, yeah, take out those Yeah, this phones. is just, this is sort of a, a recap of what we just did. Mm-hmm. Eliminate distractions and focus on my spouse. Seek to understand more than to be understood. Use empathy. Put yourself in their shoes. And ask good, clarifying questions. It's basically, that was just a recap of what we just did. And what we're asking is, on the way home, you ask your spouse, which one am I doing well? Which one do you feel like I could improve in order to get us throwing and receiving the ball a little bit better? Yeah. So, do you want to go back to James 1.19? Let's do it. So, James 1.19, remember, it had those two parts. We want to be quick to listen, we want to be slow to speak, and we want to be slow to anger. And so, we want to talk about it with, with basically, then, how do we go from listening to actually expressing my heart well? How do I be slow to speak and slow to become angry? The first one is, do I think before I speak? Do I think before I speak? Uh, like I said, verbal processors. Sometimes we just start talking and everything's coming out. We haven't had a thought that we didn't express. And some of us need to take some time and think about that. Now, I feel free. Brian has freed me up to be a verbal processor, and that's okay. But especially maybe when we're going to talk about something difficult or maybe when we're in time crunch 
when it's appropriate that I need to think about the things I'm saying before I just speak them. And so that's a good tip for, for some of us. But some of us, we maybe either think too much before we speak and all we do is think about it and think about it and we stuff it and we don't say anything. So we're thinking so much that we're not speaking. And uh, that is another thing where you need to say, I, I don't need to just think about it. I actually need to open my mouth and communicate. That's where like the feelings circle or wheel comes in helpful. We had a guy come up and he's like, I have it on my phone. And we loved that, that he's thinking about, okay, I, it's hard for me to speak. And so I need some words. I need some feelings. I need to be able to try, see mm -hmm. myself trying to communicate. Um, another thing that is um, a great way to think about it is Proverbs 21, 23. Three says, if you want to stay out of trouble, be careful what you say. If you want to say, stay out of trouble, be careful with what you say. The if Bible you, is so practical. It is. Mm -hmm. Proverbs is so practical. And so um, if you as a couple are getting into those big fights, those, those things where you're lobbying um, insult for insult and you're frustrated and you're yelling at each other, some of this will take some practice and some discipline. But what a great time to say, you know what, this weekend... I want to really make that a discipline in my life that I'm going to try to think before I speak. The good news is, is that the difference between responding or uh, reacting and responding can be about just five seconds. So something is said to you and it's making you frustrated or you don't know how to talk about it. One, two, three, four, Five, now you can respond maybe in a better way. Take that five seconds. That's the difference between just reacting to something and actually responding to what is said because it, it could have been something hurtful. It could have mm -hmm. been something that wasn't right or it could be something that you're like, oh, I might have needed to hear that. I, mean, I mean, might need to use some empathy and yeah. listen to what my spouse yeah, is saying. Yeah, or is my spouse being the Holy Spirit right yeah, now? Is, right. She, is, is she or he communicating something that's a blind spot in my life? And then I think in that five seconds, take a deep breath and ask the question, are the words that are about to come out of my mouth helpful or harmful? Just to even ask that. Like almost audit your thoughts. Yeah, that's the problem. We don't audit our thoughts mm. or our words. And just to even rehearse them in our head for a second, five seconds ago, are these words going to be helpful to building each other up and building oneness, or are they going to be more helpful for creating isolation? Yeah. And, and we in know that five seconds, why don't you just ask God to help you? Yeah. Why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom? God will come in in that moment and give you, hopefully give you some wisdom that you can listen to. I know that we talked about that for when we had that van ride and, mm -hmm. and many other times. God, help me. Help me to say the right thing right. Maybe you just need to be quiet. Ask God to help you in those five yeah. seconds. Second thing, do I speak without letting anger get in the way? Do I speak without letting anger get in the way? Anger will sabotage great communication. Proverbs 12, uh, 18 says, the words of the reckless, I like this, pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I think this is why in Ephesians, Paul says this in Ephesians 4, again, right before those three big relationships, husband, wife, parent, child, employer, employee, he talks all about anger because he knows that's exactly what's going to ruin all of these relationships. It says in Ephesians 4, 26, in your anger, so there, noticing you are going to get angry. He recognizes we're going to get angry, but in that anger, don't sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. anger uh, do not let the sun, sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, he's not saying stay up and fight. He's saying 
commit to resolve it. You know, commit to resolve things quickly. So we have a few anger tips that we can give you that we're just going to run through fairly quickly. These, these are great that you can find good books on, good articles on. Can you go to that next slide? No, not that one. There it is, right there. Pay attention to tone and body language. Avoid trigger words like always and never. We never have sex anymore. What's that, what's that person going to immediately start doing? No, we had it three months ago. They're going to look for the exception. <laughs> Actually, that, that book that you were talking about, Secrets of Sex and Marriage, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Seitzma is a world-renowned sex therapist. And what he finds interesting is that he'll have couples sitting in his room all the time that are frustrated in their sex life. And he'll, he'll ask them, like, he'll, ask the, he'll ask the wife, so how often do you want to have sex? And she's like, maybe one or two times a week. What about you, husband? Maybe two or three times a week. And you, your guys are really mad right now? Yeah, we're really mad. You know, there's really not much difference between one and two. (laughs) You know, you're really not that far off. And what's interesting about most people's sex lives, their frustrations, are simply because they're not talking about it and expressing it. And they're letting the anger of unmet and unspoken expectations get in the way. And they talk about eight secrets of, of, to help you unlock a great sex life. And it happens because when we actually listen to each other and find out, wow, we're really not that far off. So I want to give this to somebody. Anybody interested in the secrets of sex life? Who's yeah. having problems with sex? Is that the... Uh, <laughs> <everybody put> that, <laughs> that was, yeah. I saw this couple. Right. She's brave enough to h- keep her hand up. Come, come on up here. What's your name? Adriana. Adriana. I hope you, will you read it? Yes. Will you read it? Oh, we'll both read it. Okay, okay there you good. go. Read okay, it good. and talk about it. You're going to love that. Uh, so, and then, and then lastly, ask, will these words, again, will these words help or harm? Uh, and here's what I would just say. Ask your spouse, am I an angry person? Where do you see my anger come out the most? Because a lot of times we can't see it. I know I didn't see it. For me, my anger came out in depression. Depression is often described as anger pushed down deep in the heart. And my anger was coming out, and it wasn't really necessarily towards Jen, it was towards a lot of different things, but my anger was eating me up inside. It was just coming out sideways in ways of just depression, pulling away from the family, causing harm to my family in other ways, and then maybe more so than some of you that are throwing things and yelling and whatever it might be. Ask your spouse, where do you see anger in my life? And if that's you, my greatest encouragement to you, most courageous thing you can do is go get help because you will not fix your anger problem on your own. I had to go see a psychotherapist in Colorado to deal with my anger for a week. And I hated every minute of it because I didn't believe that he could fix me. In fact, I said halfway through, if all this has to do with things that are related to my dad and I don't feel like God loves me, I want my money back. He's like, Brian, that's pretty much all the problems that most men have. You got an issue with your dad and you don't really have a good theology and living out a good theology of how God what God says about you and actually believes towards and, and is acting towards you. You don't believe it. Some of us have this anger problem, and we've got to deal with it. And so this is ruining not only your communication, but let me tell you something. You're reflecting to your kids, to your grandkids, to your stepkids, and they will end up doing those things that they're seeing in you. And so I would just say find some help. Yep. Yep. Okay, next, number three. Uh, do I speak at the right time and the right place? Do I speak and communicate? Remember, we're talking about listening. We've already talked about listening well. Now we're talking about communicating well, speaking well. Is it at the right time and the right place? Here are some wrong times. Right before bed, uh, 
we talked about like right before intimacy or while you're being intimate, while you're trying to be intimate. Um, when you just, someone's just stepped into the door from work or from an activity, it's like, we need to talk right now. It's like, well, wait, I just, I mean, it's kind of jarring. Like I just got home. Those are some wrong times. Here are some wrong places to have a conflict in front of the TV when there's, a, when there's some sort of distraction when you can't really talk. Maybe it's a, over text. That's not a great place to have a serious or a conflict conversation in public on your way to church. Now, admittedly, sometimes there's never a great time. You're not like, our, our perfect place, let's go have a conflict in the Bahamas. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, there's Up at Hume Lake. Right, like, mm-hmm. let's drive two hours to Hume Lake and have our conflict, because that's the, that's the perfect place to, to talk about something serious. So th- I'm not saying that there's like this perfect time and perfect place, but you know uh, good times and good places, and you can need to read your spouse. Yeah. Like, if you'll remember in our differences, I like to go to bed early, he likes to go to bed late. So for me, it's like, Jen, can I talk about... Can I talk about, I know it's 10 o'clock at night, but I'm like, no, I'm like getting ready. I'm in going to bed mode. I'm reading my book. I've got my face. Well, you know, I was like, no. And so what are, read your spouse. Like, what are some good times and good places mm-hmm. that we can have these conversations? And they don't always have to be conflict. They can just be uh, serious conversations. Yeah. Or- Maybe make a plan or suggest a better time. Again, going back to our uh, story that we've kind of really dissected, but the van story about us driving from Atlanta to Charlotte, we did come home and we had a long weekend, a long drive. We had three, um, not super small children, but you know, we had to get them to bed. And then it was like, we need to have this conversation. Let's do it tomorrow. This is a better time and a better place. When we get the kids off, we had about an hour before we had to do some things. And we knew that that was going to be the time that we were going to have this conversation. Yeah. So. But don't use that as an excuse to not have the conversation. Yeah. Right? And so I know it was like even a couple weeks back, or we were just about ready to do a, a marriage conference. And that's generally when we have conflict, is right before a marriage <laughs> conflict conference. And I knew we were about getting ready to speak. And there wasn't really a perfect time to have the mm-hmm. conversation. It was like, we're going to be up in, out in, a, in a few hours. And if I I don't talk about this, I'm going to feel hypocritical on stage. And the Spirit's like, you got to have this now. And so that, that was a moment where I'm like, we need to sit down and we need to talk about this right now because it's that important. Our oneness is super important. So don't let that excuse keep you from sharing. And this really leads to the fourth one. Do I speak about what's really going on? And we talked about this. We talked about it really a lot of you are married to somebody that you're not unpacking your heart. And one of the greatest things that you could do to give to your spouse is just to share what's really going on inside of your heart. So those are those four things. Four things that we talk about, how do, I, how do I really express myself, express myself well? Can we put that one slide up? This will be the checkup slide for you. There we go. Not, not that one, sorry. The one on a communication. Close. You're getting there. <laughs> there we, there go. we go. No, nope, that's nope, not it. Listener. There we go. Yes. How well do I express my thoughts? Think before I speak. I'm going to try to not let anger sabotage communication, working on our anger issues, assess the right time and right place, and express what's really going on in my heart. Yep. And again, you want to ask your spouse, what's one thing I'm doing well? What's an area that I can improve upon? It'd be a good, good conversation to have going down the hill, but make sure you keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> As you're, and I noticed that you like to call these things hills. We're going to go down the hill. It happens to be a 6,000 feet difference in elevation. <laughs> That's this little hill that we're going down. Us from Florida call that a mountain, okay? <laughs> so those are those eight vital signs. How do we communicate well? How do we listen well? How do we express well? 
Um, because ultimately that's going to make a huge difference. And it's amazing the power of words. Even just short phrases can make a huge difference in the life of a couple. And I want to just tell you about one. Um, there's a, 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 my youth pastor, uh, he would often, as I got to watch him date this woman, uh, I got to watch his whole courtship. Her name was Leslie. And she would always introduce Leslie as, this he is my... All, Jim. Jim, yeah. yeah. Jim would always introduce Leslie as, this is my girlfriend, the most beautiful woman in the history of mankind. And we in like 16, 17 year old are like, oh, come on, Jim, that's so cheesy. Seriously, that's not going to last. And then they got engaged, and he would introduce Leslie as, this is Leslie, my fiance, the most beautiful woman in the history of mankind. And we're just back there going, oh, this is super cheesy. I remember five years uh, after they had been married, I was out with Jim. I was in college at the time, and he was shopping for Leslie. And Jim was a pretty good-looking guy uh, and in, in his late 20s. And I remember the girl across the counter. I could tell she was, she was flirting with him. And Jim picked up on it just like that. And he said, let me show you who I'm buying this for. And he took out his, remember Trapper Keepers? He took out his Trapper <laughs> Keeper as like this massive organizer, unvelcroed everything, opened it up. He had these pictures, you know, because we didn't have phones back then. He had these pictures and he turned it around. And he said, this is who I'm buying this for. This is for my wife, Leslie, the most beautiful woman in the history of mankind. Not too long ago on Facebook. Uh, do you have that Facebook post? This is what I saw. On this day, on this, this day, the, that's the King James only, I guess, <laughs> most beautiful woman in the history of mankind, not just the world, but the history of mankind was born. I have the honor and privilege of being this woman's husband. I cannot believe God granted me the gift of being with this godly, insightful, discerning woman. Our lives have been filled with joy, discovery, love, and living out of the box. I could not be happier or more blessed. Happy birthday to the love of my life, Leslie. Aww. <laughs> You guys are hating me right now, aren't you? <laughs> the guys are. I know. That's the what girls I'm are like. The girls wow. are like. That's, I'd love to hear that. <laughs> you know, we only remember what's repeated. We only remember what's repeated. And there's certain choruses that have been sung to us throughout our life that we would love to forget. I bet your parents said things to you that just were repeated over and over again <laughs> yeah. that you can't forget. Like, what were some things that your dad used to say? My dad always used to say. Um, uh, oh my gosh! T uh, close or turn off, turn off the lights. Do you think we only electric company? And close the doors. Do you think we live in a barn? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yep. things like that. My, yeah, uh, my dad because I said so. Heard that a lot. <laughs> Finish what you started. Started. Many hands make light work. I always know, it was interesting that when he said many, he meant me. <laughs> it, it wasn't like, I, I looked around for the other many. Like, where are the many that are coming to do this light work that we're about to do? We only remember what's repeated. There's certain choruses that have been sung to us, and there's certain choruses we'd love to forget that maybe your parents said, said to you. You'll never amount to anything. I wish you were more like your sister. I wish you had never been born. Words can pierce like swords, or they can bring life. So if we only remember what's repeated, what choruses are we singing to each other? And you're saying something to your spouse, and if it's not, you know, it may not be the most beautiful woman in the history of mankind, but maybe you're not saying anything, or maybe you're saying something as stupid as, well, this is my wife, Jen, my old ball and chain. <laughs> and you get a laugh but it's cutting to the heart. And it's not just about the words, is it? It's about the things that we do. 
you know? And, and here's, how, here's how you know what kind of choruses that you're singing to each other. Ask your kids, ask your grandkids. What do mom and dad always do? What do Papa and, and Nana always do? Oh, man, they, they always went out on date nights. They would leave us alone with the babysitter. We hated it. We cried. We just, <laughs> one of the best things you can do for your kids is leave them, <laughs> preferably with a professional child care person, okay? <laughs> it's okay. Juniper will be okay, all right? <laughs> Juniper's going to be all right. She'll be fine. They're doing it. They're, They're doing, doing it. it. They're doing it. Um, mom, mom and dad would come home from work, and they would just start making out in the kitchen. We hated it. It was so disgusting. It's the best thing you could do. That's a great chorus. <laughs> mom and dad would get in fights, but they would resolve them. What choruses are you singing to each other? And if you don't have some, what I would say is start them. Maybe this is one for you. Mom and dad always came to Hume Lake and got away for a marriage retreat, and they always came back a little more refreshed, a little more pep in their step little more life in their marriage. So whether it's the words that we say or the things that we do, if we only remember what's repeated, I would just encourage you, start some choruses now. And maybe catalog's the one you're already doing and cheer for each other in that. All right, honey, got anything else? No, we just want to say thank you guys for being here this weekend. We have had just a, a, an amazing weekend. We thank you so much. Mm -hmm. We have loved it. We would love, we would love to come back and see yeah. you guys again. Yeah. Yep. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. And if you want to come to Florida and hang out, <laughs> give us a call. Give us a call. We'd be love to see you. Let's yeah. bring the and, and let's give a hand for Encounter Worship. Yeah. God bless you guys. They want to close this up well.